Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Guilty Movie Pleasure. Hello, Guilty Movie Pleasure fans. Welcome to another quarantined episode. Uh, we have a, actually a very special episode today. As you can see, we are missing our usual host, Ben Begley. I'm Jesse McIntosh. I'm usually in the co-host chair. I'm piloting today because our dear friend, Benjamin Begley, uh, as we speak, is becoming, for the second time in his long life, a father. Um, so uh, everyone throw all your love and thoughts and oh. everything, all the good feelings that you have towards the Begleys. We're hoping for an eventless uh, hospital stay and a happy and healthy baby and family. And I think this baby is an avatar, Jesse. I think that this is the first <laughs> avatar in over a hundred years, in a millennia maybe. I, this is a um, special day. I don't know what would make you think that. Uh, other than the fact that he has told us it is being born out of a frozen sphere. <laughs> frozen um, igloo. But otherwise, otherwise, no evidence supports that. Uh, so I, I do also want to introduce my co-host today. We have a very special guest on the show today. Uh, he is the host and moderator of the Avatar The Last Airbender rewatch show, Monday nights on AfterBuzz TV. Uh, welcome, Eric Jewell. Hello, everybody. Yes, thank you so much for having me on this episode. This is a very, very exciting episode for me. I've been in love with the show my entire life. And mm. as our producer Ryan is about to tell you, I have a very special connection to this movie as well. That's right. That's Eric, right. I was Eric told loves to give show. it to Ryan here for, for a very special fact. Yes, a very special fact. Eric Jewell over here. Uh, the last name fitting because he's one in a million, man. He's shining bright. And Eric Jewell was the stunt double for photo Aang. double photo double for yes. ang when they were shooting the last airbender eric and i went to college in philly together m night Shyamalan, director of this movie shoots all of his mm -hmm. movies out of philly and that was eric's big claim to fame <laughs> he was basically in the last airbender how about that yes that is actually very true this is a crew shirt from it uh, yeah i was actually the photo double for ang so a lot of the time if you are looking at ang and his face is off camera. It is most likely going to be me. So, yeah. And he that won't be biased at all. For this movie. <laughs> right. Not in the uh, slightest. Boy, not only is that a special fact, that's an important disclosure, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> um, could So let me ask you this, Eric. Uh, when you were on set, was there a general vibe that, uh, that this might not be one of M. Night Shyamalan's best films? <laughs> that's a good question uh so we were they were actually filming this i was how old was i at that point old i was enough. 13 yeah i was 13 years old at that point so like for me i was just blown away i was like oh my god i am on a real movie set i am on a set of a movie of one of my favorite tv shows of all time i don't know how many people on that crew and cast had seen the show <laughs> so but for me, an amazing time for others. They were there. Like sure. I think they had fun filming it. So uh do you do you have any any martial arts train were you like involved in any of the stunts or were you just standing were you just a stand-in? So I was just supposed to be a stand-in for it, but they had me do one stunt one day 
because the lead actor Noah, he was still at lunch one day. Ryan, have I never told you this? No. I, well, usually when you tell it, it's like, oh my God, Noah got hurt and I had to come in. Oh, no, no, bend. no. He was at lunch one day and they were just waiting. It's on a scene where Aang has just escaped from Prince Zuko and Uncle Iroh on the boat. And I was already on the boat, like sitting around. And M. Night Shyamalan was like, wait, why are we waiting for Noah? We have him standing right here all dressed and ready. So they actually rigged me up. Crown jewel. <laughs> I had the glider and I ended up jumping off of the boat. I ended up like jumping over the edge. They pulled me up a little bit. So it looked like I was like airbending and flying a little bit. I don't know if that was the take they used in the film. The stunt doubles came in and did a much better job after I was removed from the harness. I bet but they that used was it. Pretty- I re- I'd like to think that they did, Ryan. I like to think that is me jumping over the uh, edge so gracefully. I, I will say, as someone who's been on a movie set or two, they always use the first take. So <laughs> you, you very likely, you very I likely like to are think that. in in that shot of the film. Well, uh, so let's pivot a little bit because you host the Avatar: The Last Airbender after show. Yes. You are a huge fan of the show. Talk a little bit about your relationship between uh, to the show and then between the show and the movie. So the show, from it is one of my earliest shows that I ever remember watching. It is the first show that I remember scheduling things around, knowing, oh, Avatar is coming on Thursday night at 8 o'clock. I have to be home by 7.45, ready to watch the newest episode. So it is the first show that I vividly remember sitting down for and watching every episode. And when it was announced that they were making it into a movie, I was ecstatic. I was like, this is a fantastic thing that you can make. It is a new fantasy-esque like, type world that you could create into an even bigger universe. My relationship with the movie is much different. It is okay. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy it just for the fact that I was on it. I know what was going into making it. I got to experience everything. But as an adaptation from the show, I unfortunately, I do think it falls uh, very flat. I think they're, because they tried to condense a 20 episode season into a less than two hour movie. And even with the smallest of source materials, that's almost an impossible task to do. So I do think it kind of fell flat for the adaptation it could have been. Uh, yeah, so that's, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you, actually, that you said that because that was generally my impression. So I've never seen the show. I had never seen the movie. I am uh, generally uh, ignorant to all things Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, I did know uh, that M. Night Shyamalan uh, was, was generally panned and ridiculed for this movie a little bit. Um, so that's yeah. all that I knew about it. Um, and my, my first blush impression of it is that they didn't necessarily pick the thing that they were most interested in about it. Because there were a bunch of things that were introduced either uh, three quarters of the way through the movie or they mentioned once in the beginning and then tried to emotionally pay it off at the end. But there were just a bunch of things that needed full arcs and were given extremely truncated storylines. Um, yeah, that's, and, a, and that's it, a very good way to put it, yeah. And it just like, it to me, it resulted in a lot of things not working, where it felt like 
they all could have worked and I wish they had just chosen something to be interested in and made it about that. Um, so that we could have had the emotional payoff because they, they like sort of forced this relationship between the, the like water guy and the princess, yeah. they like the introduced the idea. He's the water guy to me. Uh, <laughs> they, they introduced the idea of like the, the moon spirits, uh, like, as when they were dealing with the moon spirits was like how am i supposed to care about this <laughs> you just tell me it's important right now yeah um Sorry. they the the avatar uh like he has he has a bunch of different things that he's sort of like fighting against and it seems like what they were leaning towards was the idea that like he doesn't want to be the chosen one because he wants to have a family and he wants to have people that care about him but his actions in the movie don't support that. It's just like he says it a couple times mm -hmm. and it supports it in flashback, but like we don't get that tension in the present. So there are just like a lot of things in here, like probably probably a TV show's worth of things in here. And I wish they would have just made it about one of those things. Does that, that sort of resonate with you a little bit? Yeah, I think you put it in a very good way. Um... There's one interesting thing that I find about the movie is that the relationship between Sokka and the Princess Yue that you were mentioning, it's very interesting because even in the show, they only meet each other three episodes before the first season ends. Right. And they follow the arc very well, where they meet just when they get to the Northern Water Tribe, they start to have a little bit of a relationship, and then she ends up, she does end up giving her life for the Moon Spirit. Which, which and, we just covered, Eric. Like, that yes, was, we that just was covered that just like covered. two days ago, right? And, and again, and just adding to another reason why we're, we're talking about it today, uh, it's the 10 year anniversary of the release of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Today. So just all mm -hmm. more reason to go in on The Last Airbender. But uh, it worked it, in the TV show, bringing that, that character it up did. very yes. last minute, and you're, you're shocked at how much you cared. And this, no. No. Yeah, it's it's very interesting because they also they don't get too much screen time together in the show either. They only they get maybe 20 minutes worth of screen time together, but it's the dialogue that they have together. It's dialogue that other character that they have with other characters about each other that really helps solidify the fact that they're actually forming a relationship. And the big point that you brought up about the moon spirit I didn't realize how much that bothered me until doing this rewatch this morning because throughout the entire first season, the spirit world is a huge thing in the Avatar universe. And you're right. They don't mention the spirits until maybe halfway through this movie. And then they don't mention the moon spirit until you're right. 20 minutes left of the movie when until it they're about becomes to kill a big it. threat. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in the show, um, they deal with spirits constantly. So it was a very big departure there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I feel like uh, did, they could have they helped themselves out a little bit. And I wonder if in the TV show, because the TV show is animated, right? Yes. Are the, the voice actors who voice the kids in the TV show, are, are they played by adults? Um, so Zuko is voiced by an adult. Um, Mae Whitman actually voiced Katara and she was pretty young when they started doing that show. But I think Sokka Zu and Zuko were both adults 
when they were recording their lines. But Aang and Katara were both teenaged or younger years, I believe. Well, even even like a teenage Mae Whitman had a lot of experience under her belt. Yeah. The, what, what, what struck me here is that like there's so much heavy lifting that the dialogue is doing. And there's so much exposition of like world building and fantasy that they that it's put on the shoulders of these relatively inexperienced actors and they can't do it. It's yeah. no shots at them because this is an extremely difficult job to yeah. make any exposition sound natural. Mm-hmm. But when you have to describe like, like what the avatar is and what the different kingdoms are and who the spirits are and why they're doing what they're doing and who conquered whom, like none of this is like, is compatible to our everyday world. And so to tell a, a teenager to make this sound natural in exposition, they were, most of their lines in the first half of the movie were just like breathless, like, <gasps> and like, they, cause they were just like trying, I don't know, trying to get it out or trying to express how important it is, but like, they missed the levels of it and they missed the naturality of it. Yeah. Um, so that yeah. was just sort of like, like, I, 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 I don't know. I was going to say, I think I, it, it's it, the problem with doing a whole season of TV yeah. in one movie. Yeah. Like this is 20 episodes. This is yeah, 20 episodes. This is 10 hours of, of yeah. the show in one movie. That's like barely over two hours. Yeah. And I, yeah, and, and it's all inexperienced actors. I think with any adaptation, I was thinking about Lord of the Rings a lot when I was watching this. This is only the second time I've seen it because <laughs> I remember watching it with my grandmother in 2010 and her being like, I like the bison when we left <laughs> and uh, <laughs> nothing else because it was so confusing to her. Appa is so fun to ride. That was one of my favorite parts of being on set, the, being on the mechanical Appa. One of the best things ever. Appa's cool. But, it, but with Lord of the Rings, you know... The runtimes are really long, but necessarily because they're yeah. long books. Uh, I think this movie had to be way longer, and you had to get some, some, some really far more experienced actors. But it's, it's tough when you're all the leads in the show are kids. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about what it reminded me of a little bit is uh, both Harry Potter and the Chronicles of Narnia, where you have to like introduce this brand new world, but. Both of those stories, the kids, or at least one of the kids, like Harry, in the case of Harry Potter, and all the kids in Narnia are new to the fantasy world. And yeah. so you're learning along with them. They don't have to explain it to you. And they've all, they also utilize or they have the help of adults in both of those stories. Uh, like we have all the like uh, all the mystical beings who are all voiced by adults and played by adults in Narnia. And we have all the teachers in Harry Potter. So mm-hmm. we have adults to sort of um, contextualize everything that's going on so the kids don't necessarily have to do it. And when they do do it, they can do it in a way that a kid would do it because they're talking right. to another kid. Um, whereas in this, they relied so heavily on the kids already immersed in this world and not explaining it, not having to naturally explain it to anyone, just like coming through in the dialogue. And it, it unfortunately didn't work. No, right. I agree with you there. It's, <laughs> you had a great point. Harry is a newbie in his world. So naturally there's going to be exposition from people who have been around it. But then you make the great point that everyone in this universe, this is just their everyday life. 
where <laughs> they're used to people bending, like they know that the avatar is a thing. So to them, they don't really have to explain everything to each other. Yes, but they do have to explain it to us because there's a lot to explain. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think that is a great time to move into the plot in under three minutes, if you're all set up for it, Ryan. Oh, we're set up. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be having to message you guys, I think, updates for the timer, but the timer's going to be on screen. Um, but we great. are all set. Mm-hmm. I'll count you in. And okay. uh, we'll, just, we'll go off. I think this is going to be fun. Um, all right. I'm going to have a hard time just, tri- I think, skipping things that the show hit and this didn't. But here we go. In. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In three, two, one, go. Okay. So we get a little voiceover up top where it's like the Avatar uh, can work with all four elements and the Avatar disappeared and they're the last airbender. And then we find the two water people and they're walking along the water and they're like, Dad taught me how to hunt but I can't do it. I'm a bad hunter. And he's like, what's this underwater? And for some reason they break the ice, which is extremely dangerous for them to do. And out pops this uh, frozen orb and the girl has the boomerang and she breaks it open. And then the airbender and the big uh, thing that you just referred to. The, as, uh, bison. What is its name? The bison. The bison. Air bison. <laughs> yeah. The air bison. Those things come out and then they bring it back to their village. But the thing of light comes up and Dev Patel's like, there is light. Let's go find it. So then they come and Dev Patel is like, bring me your elders. And they're like, okay, here are our elders. And then the airbender comes, or Avatar comes out and he's like, uh, what's going on here? And they see the tattoos and he's like, you're coming with us. And then he's like, I'm going to bring you back to my, I'm, I, I need you. And then they're about to capture him, but they fight back and they escape. And everyone's like, what's going on? And they bring him up to speed on the past hundred years. Eric. <laughs> yes. So then the three of them get captured, to, taken into an earthbending camp where for some reason, earthbenders are being held captive where they can bend earth. Aang reveals that he is the avatar. Firebenders start fighting back. The earthbenders start going on a rebellion. They have some kind of revolution. Aang tells Katara and Sokka that he does not know any of the other elements. He has to learn waterbending. The three of them start heading up start heading up towards the North Pole. Uh, Aang gets captured by Zuko, or Aang gets captured by Zhao, gets uh, saved by the Blue Spirit, uh, revealed to be Zuko. They start heading north. Uh, Jesse. And then, so, but we we sort of missed the, there's Asamanvi is there, and he's the evil guy. And then Dev Patel is the slightly less evil guy, and he was kicked out by his dad, um, but we learned that he had to fight his dad, and then his dad burned him. His dad burned him. And then his dad was like, uh, your sister, you should fight your sister. And then we never meet the sister again until the end. Doesn't matter, I guess. And then he's like, you got to bring the avatar to me. And we, I guess we don't really know why that's the case. Um, but uh, he's, yeah, you're right. He escapes. But then we think that he's killed. Dev Patel is killed, but he's not. He's not. Um, and then we he's think like, he's killed again. Go to the and South he's not. <laughs> um, but then the, the avatar goes to the water people and they're teaching him how to fight with water. And he's frustrated because he can't really get it. Um, and then uh, and then the brother meets the princess and they're like, we're together forever. And she's like, I have white hair because I was dead for a while. When hey, I, was I just met you. This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Here's my backstory. So uh, she tells that the moon spirit is the one who gave her life when she was born because she was seconds. still. Uh, suddenly there is soot falling from the sky. The Fire Nation has arrived at the North Pole. Aang has to go into the spirit world to discover they kill how, what he is supposed to do. They kill, they kill the up. moon spirit. Time's, oh. up. Time's up. Time's up. They kill it. Oh. And then he wrecks shop. 
the end. Ryan, even condensed, there was a lot that we had to leave out for that. Yeah, like <sighs> it's just uh, guys. Can I uh, can I ask a very important question about the end of this movie? Absolutely. Lee, what were you confused about? <laughs> uh, well, everything. But let me jump to the end real quick because they're fighting. The water people are fighting the fire people inside in within the walls of the kingdom. Right? Mm-hmm. Not crazy about that. Cool. Avatar, Avatar, my guy goes up to the to the top of the wall and he lifts all the water up because the ships are coming in and then the ships are like, all right, we'll put a pause on this. And they turn around and everyone's like, yeah, we did it. But what, what about the fire people that were in the castle already? Killed. What happened to the fire people? Killed. I have that in my notes. I have that in my notes. I think it is super weird that the Fire Nation soldiers are still there and they bow down to Aang as well. I still think that's a very weird choice that could have easily been gotten taken care of if Aang had become the giant fish spirit and killed all of the firebenders like he does in the show. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and by the way, one thing, just because I know you didn't see the show, um, the show, he's, his name's Aang. Like Not they say, Ong. but in the show, it's like Aang. Aang. And in this, it's like Ong. Like yeah. they changed his name for this movie. They, they changed quite a lot. So I believe he wanted to change, M. Night Shyamalan changed the names so it was more rooted in the history of the nations or the areas where the show should have been originated because this movie, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, it's very whitewashed. Uh-huh. Um, like, I was in it. It's very whitewashed. <laughs> um, and everybody in the show is of... <laughs> like eastern asian descent everyone is drawn to look like that so that was a huge problem when the show came out or when the movie came out and m night Shyamalan changed the pronunciations to more fit some of the heritage and it's not a worthwhile change like at all yeah i guess it's sort of a half measure if if the cast uh is the way it is i guess i guess yeah um worse yeah it's also it's a strange choice to be like um like i want it to be more factually accurate this fantasy story that i'm sourcing from only one place and i'm changing the name that they gave it like that's a very weird uh hill to die on i guess but uh it's i i would i would say the least the least of the problems that i had watching the movie because i also want to not that i want to go move backwards here but moments before this happened at the end when the fire people just sort of surrendered to the water people right um they they had made mention as the fire people were coming they were like all right let's limit the amount of fire that we have in the castle area so that they can't utilize it and then there's a wide shot and there's like fire everywhere like every (laughs) single building has a candle (laughs) it's like you guys didn't really try that hard yeah that was one of the weirdest changes that was made because in the show firebenders can just bend from themselves right they can just just punch out their fist and fire will come from it Uh so it was a very odd change to make them have to draw fire from other sources it's i think the word is just i'm gonna say this throughout it's unnecessary there's a lot of unnecessary things going on here where you're just you're left wondering what like i would understand 
the require okay we need candles because it's just too dark in the show that that fight takes place at night and the moon is basically like a key oh, yeah. in every single room like the moon lights mm-hmm. everything up but it's live action there's gonna be some changes i it's still a lot of flames <laughs> like yeah. the firebenders are here you got a lot of fire out uh yeah like water you dry. take your chances and fight in the dark at that point <laughs> like yeah. just take your right. chances why not because they can't do anything but yeah. the other thing is like if you're going to bring that up if you're going to say something like that then have it be a source of tension like have a couple of candles that they're using to light the whole thing and have it be someone's responsibility to shield the candle from the firebenders like why not use that you know what i mean rather yeah, than like just like lot. say it and then yeah. don't do anything and then show us an image of fire everywhere <laughs> it doesn't make any sense yeah um all right Let's uh, let's circle all the way back to the beginning here. Um, so we start off, like I said, we start off with a bunch of voiceover mm-hmm. from uh, our hero girl. What is the hero's name? Katara. 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 Okay. We start off with a lot of uh, voiceover from Katara, giving us the lowdown on everything that's happened with the Airbender, um, the Avatar. Everyone's looking for the Avatar. Mm. He disappeared. We don't know where he went. And then they're... Uh, the only people hunting they're going out to they, they've been left by uh, their father is out fighting mm-hmm. and their mother has passed away there's right? a war yes yeah yeah um, so they're going out to hunt um, and like I said he's bad at it uh, and for some Saka. reason they break the ice are they I, I guess they're like confident that if the, the ice breaks and the water comes out that they'll be able to control it I, I guess it's an Again, the big difference in the show is that Sokka, Sokka starts off very sexist in the show, and he says something that really makes Katara angry, and through her rage, she waterbends and cracks open an iceberg, revealing the sphere that Aang is in. Makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Whereas... And then it kind of gets broken up from there. Right. They, I also love that they're the only ones, it seems like, with, a, with an exterior weapon. Like, they have the boomerang <laughs> for some reason. No one else has a weapon. Everyone else just uses the elements that they're able to bend. Right. Yeah, it's... Um, but they, they get the boy in the iceberg, and... They, yes. I yeah. remember being in the theater, like, here we go. <laughs> like, this is... Yeah. And uh, it just doesn't really take... Like, I think the problem is this movie just didn't get going, like, quick enough. And unlike a show where you can meander here and there... And yeah. rely on these little bits of action as your big climax of that episode. Um, it, it feels like you're on a you're fast forwarding uh, because just so much is happening in such a little amount of time. But but now they get Ang there, and mm. even though we got that whole voiceover like Jesse was talking, I'm interested to hear. Were you still kind of confused, or did you feel like you were up, brought up to speed enough with that opening voiceover? Because that voiceover is in front of every single episode of the show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm on the record on this podcast saying that like if if you're just giving me fantasy words, I don't compute that. I don't <laughs> register those. I like need it to be attached to story elements and like emotional truth. So like if you're just just spitting words at me, I'm like I'll find it out when I watch it. <laughs> so I like I I like caught a lot of it, but I didn't yeah. like fully register what it was. Um, and I like, but I, I also like, as we're going through, like 
there were a couple other random moments of voiceover in the movie, but it was always just voiceover describing what we were watching. And it really struck me as like, what, what are we doing here? Why do we need this voiceover? Why don't you just have a character say this in frame? Like, I don't, I don't need someone telling the story. Um, and it only happens like three or four times. I don't need someone telling me what I'm watching. If I can yeah. just have a character, uh, like, say a want or a need to another character that would take care of that i don't need it yeah you could tell um, maybe that was something that the studio was like it's not making sense without it so let's just really hit it home uh i just yeah. want to say george we have a george costanza in the, in the chat the oh, chat's nice. going off by the way um so love you guys please hit <laughs> the thumbs it. up give us a rating on itunes uh we'll read them on air um and i know ben will appreciate it uh, he goes, you guys should earthbend a hole in the ground and bury, bury this movie and any thought of it. <laughs> no, uh, if, listen, if I could, if I were a bender, uh, <laughs> I would, I would bend whatever element I was able to, to sort of, uh, handle some of these problems. Here. Yeah. Um, but so, okay. So we're, uh, we have the avatar, we meet Dev Patel, who's on the boat, uh, and he sees the light and I guess he, it's just a known thing that light shines in the sky. That's the avatar. I guess no. we know that. Okay, great. Great. Kind of just, uh, he, it's kind of just a random beam of energy and everyone's kind of like, even in the show, it's kind of like, Oh, why does that have to be the avatar? And Zuko says like only somebody that powerful could perform, could make that beam happen. So it's kind of like, oh, the Avatar might be the only one powerful enough to do that, really. But okay, doesn't really show up again. Yeah, I we'd never seen any other like weaker beams of light, so I guess I have nothing to compare it to, you know. <laughs> uh, but so we yeah. see Dev Patel. He comes. He shows up to the Water Village, and uh, Ryan, this is Dev Patel. Uh, sound clip number one. To the throne. Bring me all your elderly. <laughs> um. Okay, so he needs he needs all the elderly. <laughs> yep. Um. And without without understanding why he needed the elderly, that was kind of a strange thing for me to hear him say. <laughs> Just throwing it. Yeah, out there. I, gu- I guess that would be because we have the knowledge that the avatar hasn't been seen in hundred like a hundred years. Uh-huh. So of course it would be someone old. But yeah, someone who wouldn't know that. Yeah. That would just be a but very random line to hear. The elderly. But I would also argue here, if it's been over a hundred years, they mentioned a couple times you kill you kill the avatar, he's reborn somewhere else. A hundred years is kind of a long time. Like no one is like he may have died in natural causes. Uh let's check the young ones as well. No <laughs> one is no one is looking into that. I think that's a worthwhile thing to investigate if you're not gonna be accepted back into your family until you find them. That's a good point. I'm saying. I think think it was more like it's a fool's errand for him because they haven't seen him in 100 years. So, but he's just out. They didn't see. Yeah, it's confusing when they don't explain it well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But also, pretty lucky for him that, like, only a few years into his exile, Avatar reveals himself, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good point Uh, again. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, uh, let's see. they so they're uh they're captured and they're testing the avatar they like give him the different elements by the way this and... is me in that scene 
Is it really? Yeah, that's me well, that well done. Uh, <laughs> shaping the elements. It was very believable. Eric, that was um, beautiful work. <laughs> so this was a source of confusion for me later in the movie because he is able to move the elements, all of the different elements, but then it turns out that he's not able to to bend the elements. I guess there's a difference in being able to slightly move them, which he's able to do, uh, but other people aren't. So the thing is, the Avatar is the only one who can fully control all four elements. And this, again, was a, di- a new change from the show. In the show, it is established when we first meet Aang, he can only do airbending. And in the first few episodes, he does waterbending, but while he's in the Avatar state, which is an all-powerful state where he can do pretty much anything. Like, he needs to learn everything. That's, that's this yes. quest. He's got to learn it all. He's got to right. learn all four of these to fight the Fire King. Right. Fire so Lord. I actually kind of think it's an interesting change that the Avatar naturally can know the very basics of doing the other elements. I actually think that was a kind of interesting change that worked in the film's favor, actually, for this one. I, the, only, the only thing that, uh, the only point of confusion for me was uh, not understanding there was like a significant difference in being able to move and being able to bend. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like, once I see him do it, then I assume he can do it. And then I right. find out later that he's only able to bend air. So it just took a little catching up once I found that out. Um, but I'm with you. Like, that's that's an interesting sort of, like, dynamic where it's it's innate in him, and he just sort of has to hone those skills. Right. Um, but so he's tested there, uh, and he's able to escape, um, and they make it back to where he grew up, where all the monks are or were. Um, yeah. And they're all dead. It's a monk graveyard. All dead. Yeah, uh, I'll say sad scene, it, and that yeah. uh, that one did hit me for this one. I was like, oh, geez, like they they really did yeah. a good job of replicating that from the show, and also I think hitting that point home. Yeah, one thing that I really like about the movie, I love the production design of this movie. Actually, like I think the because what you're talking about is when they go to the Southern Air Temple. I love the look of the Southern Air Temple. I love the look of the Northern one where he goes. I love, I really, really like the look of the Northern Water Tribe. So I do think the production design did a really good job, like adapting all the images we had seen to make them live action. Sure. And it's also, it's a heartbreaking thing to, um, like in any context, to have people walking over a landscape and walking on bones. Yeah. Like that's really hard um, to take in visually. Um, I, I not to like beat this over the head, but I think they had a really, really good opportunity to make this movie about family because he expresses a couple times, like I didn't want to be without family. And now this is his family in bones on the ground. Um, like what, what does that motivate him to do? It yep. doesn't seem to motivate him to do anything in this movie. And I wish that it was like a, a deeper part of it. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, there's just a lot of missed opportunity. You can tell there's like a wealth of uh, there's a wealth of story in there that yeah. that just wasn't as tapped into, um, which I think is the reoccurring theme for this majority of this conversation. I I think what Eric is saying is yeah, the spectacle I feel was like really was fully realized. I even liked some of the special effects for the bending. Oh, it's, I love the bending effects. I think they look really cool. For yeah, like how they would look in real life. But honestly, like that, a main reason why you like the, the cartoon isn't the effects; it's the story, yeah. and mm-hmm. that is 
that's the thing you gotta get first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what draws you in and keeps you engaged. Um, but I would agree with both of you that like a lot of the visual elements of this movie are, are really interesting and are, um, do enhance what we're watching quite a bit. Um, I'm going to jump a little bit here. We, uh, they're walking along and they run in to uh, the earthbenders um, and they are taken captive by uh, the dad from plot against America. Um, <laughs> who, uh, yeah. who takes them back to, yep. I guess, an internment camp, uh, like some sort of outdoor prison. Yeah. There's the, the whole plot in the show that the Fire Nation wants to be the most powerful nation, so they take over most of the Earth Kingdom and they arrest anyone who can do any bending. The problem is, in the show, they put them on a floating metal barge so they can't bend anything. But in the movie, they're in a quarry. So they're literally just sitting on Earth. So there's really no reason... They shouldn't be able to fight back. I th- yeah, and back back to the whole the whole War of the Rings journey conversation, like that you have in any of these epic fantasy stories. A lot of the fun parts is like learning about the characters on the journey there, like on the walk yeah. there, going to the Water Tribe, and I just that this is where the movie tanks, in my opinion. The, the, uh, where we could have got gotten to care about a lot of these characters a lot more. And then those ending beats hit. It just this just felt yeah. like we're going to throw a bunch of references that aren't fully satisfying because we're making a lot of changes to the show. And for people who haven't seen it, I mean, I want to hear from Jesse. It just kind of feels really haphazard. Like, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you, yeah, you guys are both hitting on stuff I, that I put in my notes here, where it's like the same thing with the fire. Like, if if they're if they're being taken away from earth or like earth elements that they're able to bend, now we have an interesting dynamic here, but if they're just on earth, but there's also fire, then like, what, what, where is the tension? What is happening? Why are they able to capture them when they're on evil footing here? Uh, Like an interesting, I, I think one of the more interesting parts of this concept is only being powerful around one thing and what happens when that thing is withheld from you and what happens when you are given enough of that resource. Like, are you That's good? Are you a good person with that resource or are you only a good person when it's withheld from you? Um, and like, what hap- Like, how are you able to survive? I think that's a really interesting element that was completely absent from this movie. Yeah. That's such a good point. And I think, I just, just popped in my head even talking about like the spectacle and where they're filming. Like, why eric awesome that you're in this dude but like <laughs> how do you shoot this story in philly you go to new zealand <laughs> like this is not what you shoot in like a soundstage in philly or, or so, out somewhere in, in pa like i know they, they shot parts of it outside but like yeah. do the whole production in iceland or something like, dude i would have loved that i would have got to go to iceland greenland wherever but um yeah so Fun fact is, M. Night Shyamalan films everything within like a two-hour radius of Philadelphia. This movie was, I believe, the furthest he ever went because they filmed the Southern Water Tribe stuff up in Greenland, I think. And yeah, Shoot they filmed right. They filmed so much in just like Reading, uh, just <laughs> a lot of just like random Pittsburgh areas for the yeah. Earth Kingdom. And I was like, <laughs> all right, cool. I get to go on a trip today. Awesome. 
That's hilarious. Wild. Yeah. Like they're not. It's actually there are actually five elements. There's water, fire, earth, air, and cheesesteak. Cheese a lot steak. of people don't know about that last one because they didn't. We didn't. We only got the two elements really yeah. in the story. They've been to Ong's on South Street. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we actually have uh, when uh, he reveals himself as uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. We have that sound clip. Sound clip number two, right? My name is Ong, and I'm the Avatar. I ran away, but I'm back now. <laughs> yeah. It's a little awkward. Can you, that is as wooden as it gets, folks. Like, that's... Yeah, we get a whole it's, emotional episode about like why he ran away and everything in the show, and then I might need to play that again. Yep, <laughs> please. Okay, here we go. Clip number two. My name is Ong, and I'm the Avatar. I ran away, but I'm back now. So the all like. This is what I was saying about like the them being given dialogue that uh, that is not natural and not always necessary. Like some of it is, but some of it isn't. All that line needed to be was, "My name is Ang. I am the Avatar." For him to say, "I ran away, but I'm back now," is so superfluous, so unnecessary, and that's what makes the line sound so stupid. Yeah, that it's like we don't need it. We see you, man. We know that you're back. <laughs> Like, we've been with you for 20 minutes. <laughs> like, we don't need it. Oh, my uh, yeah, it, it's gosh. It's interesting. That is... So just, like, not not understanding the information that we need versus the information that is too much. This is the problem that we had in the voiceover, the problem that we had in a lot of the exposition, in particular. In were there line. periods in between every three words, is my question. <laughs> like, we're... I'm, I ran away, period. Am I back now? <laughs> like, I, yeah. I don't know. It's pause for dramatic effect. Yeah, pretty much. Um, okay, so uh, so this is where he reveals that he doesn't know how to use anything but air. So they're like, we can find someone to teach you water. I know a guy. Um, <laughs> but then they, I guess they're also like teaching him kind of on the way because she's helping him out a little bit. That's That's also another amazing arc in the show that kind of got left aside for here it's that Katara is the only waterbender of the south pole and one of the main reasons she goes with ang is so she can learn waterbending from the north pole too and it's them they learn throughout the show and then finally when they get up to the north pole there's more rules that say Katara can't join but she is like such a powerful bender at that point that her character kind of got very reduced in this movie. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely none of that was yeah. in the movie. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a change. Yeah, she's along for the ride, but like I said, she's also like giving him pointers. So it was unclear like how much she knew and was able to do, and if she knew, could she teach? Maybe not, um, but also like she, they like their express intention is just to uh, sort of go with him. It's yeah. not so that she can learn; it's that 
they need to sort of like usher him into this place where he can uh, thrive. Yep. Um, so they're like learning on the beach and he's getting this feeling from a nearby temple and we're running out of time. So we're going to go through this a little bit quickly, um, but he gets lured to the temple and then it turns out it's a trap. Um, <clears throat> and then he gets captured by Asif Manvi. Um, who, Admiral Zhao. Who has him uh, shackled in a big X. Yeah. Um, shackled and then, Yeah. And then they're, uh, I guess they're about to kill him maybe, but uh, a masked uh, vigilante comes in and sets him free. Um, and they're fighting their way out and he's about to escape fully. And then he sees his friend is being surrounded. So he runs back. To help his friend again another missed opportunity if we had layered in what i really need is family what i really want is family yeah. having someone who uh showed him support in a moment of weakness would have been a really nice bond and we could have paid it off maybe later dev patel could have fought with him maybe doesn't matter they didn't do that <sighs> uh so he uh, he rescues dev patel but then they like shoot something over the castle wall and it's definitely. Oh, yeah. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. I'm just glad that we got the Blue Spirit in here. Dude. Like, he is one of the better parts of the show. So I was very happy that we got him adapted into the movie. Yeah. But he, I, again, th- I, honestly, Eric, this is something you could have cut out. I think this is something. Agreed. Like, for, for, I think you're... it is. I. I agree. This is something that easily could have been left on the cutting board, but especially if they were trying to do more sequels, the Blue Spirit does appear later on in the show as well, so they might have been trying to tie it in with stuff like that, but I agree with Ryan. This is something that easily could have been just left out. Zhao doesn't capture Aang, and they all just head to the North Pole. Well, and here's the other thing about that. As they're escaping they've made such a point of like do not kill the avatar because he will reincarnate into another person but as he's escaping they're they've lost him anyway why not why are they not killing him now he's already gone right like what why keep a powerful person out there when you can kill him and restart his whole cycle well i i I, okay i actually will so the reason they don't want, I don't think they want to do that is, well, I think that you, you would assume you could control a kid a little easier than like yeah. him being born at a random spot and, they, and they not really knowing where he is once again. So I kind of see the logic behind. But they don't know where he is now because he's escaped. Do you know oh, what I mean? Like yeah. he's, he's off and they don't know where he's going. So he's could be anywhere. Why not restart this whole cycle and by yourself, 13 years or however old he is um it doesn't matter that was like what i just thought (laughs) that as as they like as they shot from like two miles away and hit (laughs) squarely in the head like why are they being so careful with this he's already gone yeah wild um (laughs) uh and then uh i wrote i wrote down wait how did he escape because then dead patel is alive again and then i said well then someone explodes his boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, there's a bit of like a mute, not a mutiny, but they kind of betray him, and 
Yeah. There's a whole arc with pirates in the show that's really fun, and they're the ones who end up blowing up his boat on Zhao's orders, but... He fakes his death. And... Yeah, and here it just doesn't work. And here it's like he's it's... dead, he's alive. It's just like back yeah. and forth, like... He was alive, and then it looked like they killed him, but then he's back alive, that and then was, it looked like yep. they killed him, and then he's back alive. Right. So, like, we, as the audience in the show, knew he survived, but in this movie, they tried to play it off, like, some tension, like, oh, he actually, he's, he perished. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, he's back. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, I, let's play uh, sound clip number three. I believe he's sinking out water. Oh, oh. Practice water All right. Well, uh, that happens. <laughs> He's going to seek out someone in the Northern Water Tribe where they have lived beyond our reach and openly practice water bending. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's again, silly exposition, it, but, uh, it doesn't sound quite as silly when a, an adult actor says it who's been acting for a while. It just, there's like a difference in presentation. I just, it's such a forced exposition where they do it freely. Right. <laughs> right. I don't understand why all, like, someone needed to go through and be like, this is necessary information. This is not. Yeah. Um, like, he's going up to the water people, I think, is all that needed to be. Um, so we go, we're running out of time, but we go, we make it up to the village. He's doing his, uh, he's doing his training. Um, he's, uh, decides that, uh, as the battle is nigh, it's time for him to meditate rather than fight, which is like, uh, maybe like have meditated already. Like you're yeah. the people here need you. I think <laughs> like, I, I get that you're a kid, but like, I don't know. Now's the time. You know what I mean? Um, But so uh, then this is what I was talking about, uh, Sound Clip 4, where they just sort of introduced the idea of the moon spirit and killing the moon spirit all at the same time. They will be trapped in the city when the moon's power comes out. Do not worry about the moon's power, General Ira. Why should you not be worried about the moon's power? Because your brother Fire Lord Ozai and I have decided it is in our best interests to kill the moon spirit. What? <laughs> when he said what, we almost said it together. Me <laughs> and the uncle almost were synced up saying, what? Yeah, I, it's weird because, again, like I said before, the spirits are such a integral part of bending and the universe in the show that it was so weird that they decided to just throw it in in the last, like, third of the movie yeah it's i mean guys like i know we only have we've got to get going soon but like this is we've been kind of easy on m night for this dude i have just how did this happen like i really don't know how this happened like there because if you go to like the prequels with star wars which i'm a prequel defender but like it's easy like george lucas is god he like made all this no one's gonna second guess him but this is m night Shyamalan. this is like post the happening this is post lady in the water this is he has gotten like three misses in a row how did no one say anything about the most beloved kids show like how are you on set and you're getting this line of dialogue about the, the moon spirit and it's like we're gonna explain it all in 10 seconds 
we're not only are gonna yeah. are we gonna explain it all in 10 seconds, but then somehow it's in a fish. Like I don't that's <laughs> that makes even less sense to say that the moon spirit is in a fish. It doesn't it, it doesn't equate, it doesn't compute, nothing about that is logical. And so you have to take your time in setting that up, that the moon spirit can be in any form of life. The moon controls the water. The moon spirit sometimes will go into beings in the water. Like that all needs to be laid out over the course of the whole movie so that it's paid off in this moment when we see him kill the fish. And then they immediately, the girl is like, I can get this back. I'm yeah. fine. And But then the other, okay. So I'm going to get this last thing in and then we got to go. Because this was also like, I, I want to see a version of this where it doesn't work because she's someone's just like, Hey, if you kill yourself, the moon spirit might come back. They say it as like, I don't know, maybe. And she's like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. It's laid out much better in the show. Dude, the, it, it's much right. more no, fleshed out in the so show. Right. They, it's literally like, yeah. If you a random this, person you've never met. Yeah. It's, it's like a 50, 50 shot. I don't know. <laughs> try and kill yourself. <laughs> Also, it's like a Fire Nation guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, Sokka has a great trust. point. He's like, don't listen to him. He's Fire Nation. Yeah, at that point, you have no reason to trust this man. Yo, He's just trying to get rid of the princess. Jesse, there's a monologue in the show that's, like, great. She goes, like, the moon spirit saved me as a kid. Maybe I can give it back. It's, like, her own choice. Like, she's figuring it out. And, yeah. like, oh. it's a beautiful moment. And this, it's like, I think you should... I think you should kill yourself. And then the way she kills herself is she gently floats back into the water. Like there's no struggle. There's no nothing. She's just like in the water. And I guess she's dead now. That was the lady in the water sequel right there. I was happy. I didn't have to go in the water to get her. Oh, yes. We got to get out of here. My goodness. Uh, So guilty. uh, Listen, at the end of every show, we like to rate our movies on a scale of, uh, Guilty but awesome, guilty but pleasurable, and guilty but terrible. I unfortunately, based on all of the shortcomings that we've outlined over the course of this episode, I'm going to have to say guilty but terrible. Eric, I know this uh, is holds a certain place in your heart. How do you? Where are you ranking this movie? I got. I love watching this movie so much. I have to say guilty but awesome. Go. Feel free. <laughs> attack me on Twitter, God Instagram. I don't care. I love watching this movie so much. God bless you, Eric. Uh, God bless you. I think um, uh, this is guilty but terrible. And I'm just going to shout out a few more people in the chat who my thoughts exactly. If Michael Bay directed this, uh, at least it would have had cool bending. Um, (laughs) Someone else saying, uh, you guys should stop airbending your mouths talking about this movie because it is trash. Someone goes, it was in Philly, LMAO. Um, <laughs> uh, but a lot, a lot of love for Eric in the chat as well. Uh, uh, thank you, everyone. Yeah, it's just <laughs> what a mistake. <laughs> what, what a mistake. But shout out to it could have been. Listen, it could have been good. The bones are there. It has the source material, beloved source material. Um, they set it up for a multiple uh, film run, and they didn't follow through on it because I guess of how bad it was. Um, but, uh, it's, it's there for, uh, an interesting world and an interesting story. And it was just unfortunately a whiff. Uh, hopefully maybe Michael Bay gives it a shot. I don't know that Michael <laughs> Bay would fix the problems that we've talked about. Um, but, uh, Eric, 
If people want to find you on social media, where can they do that? Yes, thank you guys so much for having me today. This was amazing. Guys, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at EricJewel11. Uh, every Monday, I host the Avatar The Last Airbender rewatch show. This Monday, we are going to be starting book two, so it's going to be amazing. And tomorrow night, tune into AfterBuzz again, where myself and the rest of my panel from our after show, we are going to be doing our own review of the movie. Everyone there, except for one of us, has seen the show multiple times, so we're going to have so many opinions on this. It is going to be great. Thank you guys for tuning in for us. Awesome. Definitely. Thank you for coming on and definitely check that out. Uh, Ryan, uh, where can people find you? You can find me at Ryan Nilsson, R-Y-N-I-L-S-E-N on Twitter at Ryan Nilsson underscore on Instagram. Shout out to Ben Bagley once again, becoming a father for the second time. Jesse, where can people find you? Uh, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Too Much Jesse for Sketch at the Prompt Losers. You can find the show on Twitter at Guilty Movie Guys. Let us know what you thought of The Last Airbender, how it compares to Avatar The Last Airbender of the show. Uh, give us suggestions for next time. Let us know what you thought of Pixels. Until next time, what is your guilty movie pleasure? From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.